Good evening to y'all. How are we doing this evening? We're doing good. Amen and amen. Are you glad to be here this evening? If so, let the church say amen. Amen and amen. We would like for you, if you're able, to uh, stand for th hymn 368, hymn 368. He brought me out. He brought me out, hymn 368. He brought me out, hymn 368. He brought me out. out of the miry clay and set our uh, feet upon uh, the solid rock, Lord. And Father, we're excited to be here this evening, Lord, to hear a message from you, but also, Lord, to sing uh, the songs that you've placed in our hearts, Lord, to give praise back to you. We just uh, pray, Lord, that you bless the preaching, 
Lord, if there's anyone here who is uh, lost this evening, Father, we pray that they get saved, and we pray that those who are saved, Lord, uh, be encouraged by your word this evening. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated for this next hymn. This next hymn is that once the Lord brings you out, he can lead you. Amen. <laughs> he leadeth me. Hymn 206. Hymn 206. We'll do the first, second, and last verses of hymn 206. He leadeth me. Hymn 206. John, right, right here on the front, please uh, want to be sure you grab one of those. And uh, also, um, uh, make if you have your bulletin from Sunday, y'all have those? Are y'all here? Anybody? Yeah. All right, just a couple of things real quick. Men's prayer breakfast, Saturday morning, 8.30. Going to have some spam bacon. Amen. Amen. I like it. Amen. Spam bacon. Uh, they're, you know, they made their, they, they, I was telling somebody the other day, they, you know, they made their first batch of spam 
back riding around World War II, I believe it was. Well, <clears throat> they, I heard the other day they're thinking about running another batch. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so uh, 8.30, men, for prayer breakfast. Uh, Saturday morning, 9.30 for soul winning. So please be ready for that. And then make sure you bring your work clothes with you. Because following uh, soul winning, uh, about 10.30, we're going to, we're having a work day. We've got a few things we, it, it, we have to take care of. One of them is some places on the parking lot that we need to put some seal coating on them. Uh, the, uh, the asphalt out there is starting to break down, and once it does that, if, we, if you don't uh, uh, seal it by the time uh, it gets cold, if water gets in it and it freezes, it makes it worse and it starts getting underneath. And then a uh, you know a hundred dollar fix turns into a twenty thousand dollar fix. Right. So and uh, by the way, that's what they wanted the last time they wanted to seal coat our parking lot when we did it ourselves. They wanted twenty thousand dollars to do that. And the only person I know that's got that kind of money laying around is Malachi. Okay. <laughs> and he's trying to hang on to it. You know, <laughs> he, the reason I know he's hanging on to it because his mama didn't even know he had it. So. But, uh, but please, so we've got to take care of the parking lot in several areas, so we need some men, young men out there to help us with that. And then we have to take care of our roof our, on the top. If you notice, we've got a few leaks and they've gotten a little worse, and we think we've got them pinpointed, but we need your help with that. So uh, please come. Remind our young guys upstairs as well that uh, we, we need their help. And then if you would, men, send out a text this week and let's contact all of our men. There's other places. And ladies, we're going to have some places inside the building that we need to have cleaned a little bit. So if you all have come and help us with that, uh, there's going to be something for everybody. So please come. And uh, that will be at 1030 uh, this coming Saturday. And if we, if we have at least 20 people show up, uh, Malachi is going to take everybody to lunch at, at Whataburger. Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, anybody's got $20,000, got a little money laying around, they can buy folks a hamburger, amen? Everybody in favor, say amen. That's a, I knew that would be a unanimous vote, amen? So uh, 10.30, please, 8.30 for prayer breakfast, 9.30 for soul winning, and then 10.30 for work day. So please, men, y'all come. We need your help. And uh, there's several things that we've got on our list to do, so please don't forget about that, all right? Uh, I've got a, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. We used to do this, and we got another, uh, we used to read our letters from uh, some of our missionaries, and we just got a new updated letter from the Millers to Mexico. Y'all remember them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight kids, and they, you know, all of them played an instrument. Man, did a good job singing. And uh, they sent the letter, and it says, Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. Uh, they said God's been good to us. They were able to finish deputation after three and a half years. That is terrible. Now, how would you like to ask? I mentioned this the other day to the church when I was preaching it down, uh, in, down south. And uh, how would you like to need a pastor? And, and you call a pastor. You knew who they were going to be. And they said, I'll be there in three and a half years. Churches couldn't survive that. I've seen some try. Uh, but they can't, and that is three and a half years that there's people that have died in Mexico in the area where he's going that died and never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, God help us, and let's pray that the Lord help these missionaries. They went to 
100, it says uh, they three and a half years, which included the pandemic, visits to nearly 180 churches. That's a lot of churches to go to. Uh, but they were very positive. Anyway, they're there on the field. Uh, said they were able to settle down, have some stability in a beautiful house that God enabled them to rent. They were able to start a new church and uh, begin the process of reaching people uh, with the, in that area with the gospel. They're approaching five months in the new church where they have found and they, had, they started in. Said they've seen some growth. They've seen folks got saved. Uh, they even started going to a hospital and uh, uh, with a hospital ministry. Uh, but then w once they were there for a few weeks, it said that the uh, administration began to get some complaints about them proselytizing. And it, the thing that was interesting, they said it wasn't coming from the patients or the family members. It was coming from some of the hospital workers. Right, right. How sad. Uh, but they, so anyway, they complained and they lost their permission to go into the hospital, but uh, a lady that had been visiting their church, they said, uh, worked at a small clinic nearby and uh, gave them permission to come to their clinic where they could uh, continue their ministry there. And so pray for them. Uh, they said they're all in good health, good spirits. We love you and miss you all. Uh, and they said they pray regularly for us. And, you know, if they're praying for us, we certainly need to pray for them. Amen. So uh, that's a, a, a kind of an update letter there from the Millers. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's an awesome thing that, that they finally got there, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Read, read the letters. There's more of them out here. Uh, they, they covet our prayers, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, we'll start trying to read one of those at least a couple of times a month uh, so that we can Amen. let you know about our missionaries. Uh, there'll be a new update on what was given this past year in 2023 for Faith Promise Missions. Also in the Sunday Bulletin, there will be the new uh, Faith Promise uh, commitment goal for uh, uh, each week. It'll be in the Bulletin as well. So you want to make sure you look at those and, and, uh, and let's pray for, the, for all these countries where we have missionaries that God would use them uh, in a special way. And as we move into our prayer sheet, I want us to remember to pray for Israel. And, uh, you know, the best thing that we can do is, is uh, not only as a, as a uh, country, but as a church, is to uh, uh, help Israel. Oh, no, that was way too weak. We can't stop with that. Best thing that God said, if he will curse them that curses Israel, and he will bless them that blesses Israel. So the best thing we could do at Central Park Baptist Church is be a part of helping Israel. Amen. Amen. So pray for them. We do support uh, a missionary, Brother Al Reichman. Right. Uh, and um, so uh, pray for Israel. They, uh, if you, they sure are getting a bad rap. Yeah. I was watching the news the other night, and they surveyed uh, a bunch of these, uh, uh, these um, people at the colleges. Uh, that are protesting against Israel. Think, listen to this now. 63% of those that were surveyed did not even know that there was a Holocaust. 63%. No wonder they're out there. You know where that came from? They've robbed us of our history. They don't teach it anymore. They teach things like CRT, you know, critical race theory, instead of history. Uh, and they've robbed us of that. In fact, those that did know 
uh, about the Holocaust believed that there was only about a million, maybe two million Jews that were killed during that time. And my question to that is, how many does it take? You know, uh, so, uh, so pray for Israel. And, uh, you know, uh, that's God's people. And God's going to take care of them. Well, I'm glad to know that I've been grafted in. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, I've been adopted by, by the Father, and I'm thankful for that today. So uh, let's remember to pray for them. Uh, remember to pray for these also on our health list. Uh, just a couple of people I'd like to mention. One is uh, uh, Brother Dennis and Miss Susie. I, I talked to them yesterday. They're doing good, so keep them in your prayer. Uh, also, a special prayer for Miss uh, Lexi uh, Clark. They, uh, you know, she's expecting, and she's at the hospital. They're trying to, she's she's trying to go into labor, but it's early, so uh, they're giving her some medicine to try to uh, keep her from that. But if she does go into labor and it, the medicine doesn't work, they said the baby will be fine. Uh, but it's just better if she didn't. So pray for her uh, that God would. Uh, have his will with what's going on. The doctors are one thing, but God's totally different, amen? So uh, so please, let's uh, remember to uh, keep her in prayer. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray for our service tonight, our offering, and uh, may the Lord bless you tonight. Dear Father, we thank you, Lord, for our prayer. I'm thankful, uh, God, that we serve uh, an almighty God, Lord, who uh, is in control of all things. Lord, you said you're the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and Lord, you know everything in between the beginning and you know and the end. You know what's going to take place. You know how it's going to play out. And, and God, I'm thankful for that today. Help us, Lord, as your people to put our complete trust in you, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, in these days that we live, help us to keep our focus, Lord. Help us to continue to uh, do those things that you've called us to do in spite of what's going on in the world. God, we still have a job to do. We're still in the people business. And I pray, God, that you'd help us. Uh, to reach out into this community, uh, Lord, with the gospel. I pray, God, a special prayer for these that we've mentioned tonight, Brother Dennis, Lord, and Miss Susie. God, you, I pray for them. Uh, God, ask you to be with them and their health. And then a special prayer for uh, Miss Lexi, Lord, and her baby. I pray, God, that, uh, Lord, if it's not your will that that baby be born, God, that you would not allow that. But if so, then, uh, God, we place them and both mom and the baby in your hand and God, we know that, God, you're the giver of life. And so, Lord, we just pray that, uh, God, you'd watch over them. Give those doctors and nurses wisdom, uh, Lord, as they uh, wait upon mom and baby. God, we just pray that you'd be with our worship tonight, Lord. Help us to, uh, Lord, study as we get back into the life of King David. Help me, Lord, to rightly divide your word of truth. And, God, may I encourage and challenge folk tonight, Lord, and and may we go away from this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. God, we also pray. Uh, thank you, Lord, as we begin a new year in faith, promise, missions, giving. Thank you, God, for allowing Central Park Baptist Church to be involved in faith, promise, giving. Lord, what a difference that makes in the, uh, in the eternities of, of people, God, who uh, otherwise would never hear the gospel. And so, Lord, help us to continue, Lord, this new year to give. Uh, God, to be faithful in our giving, and God, as we, as we give, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, help us to think about and pray about missionaries like the Millers, Lord, who we just read their letter. God, bless them and help them to reach out uh, to those Mexican people, Lord, with the gospel and, and speak to their hearts and use them in a mighty way. 
God, help us to be a part of their life and their ministry, Lord, uh, as we send our missions uh, offerings to them, giving you the praise and the glory for it. Bless this offering now that we're about to receive. I pray, God, that you'll bless the gift and the giver, and we give you praise and glory for it all, because it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. for you to join us and singing a chorus chorus three two one chorus three two one three twenty one what a mighty god we serve amen chorus three two one what a mighty god we serve at the, at the conclusion of this hymn please greet each other as we prepare for tonight's uh, worship oh uh, what a mighty god we serve oh what a mighty god we serve First Samuel, First Samuel chapter 20, First Samuel chapter 20, Brother Choi, is this a little bit, just a little loud maybe, okay, all right, all right, First Samuel chapter 20, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 35, okay, First Samuel chapter 20. And uh, we'll begin reading verse 35. Found your place. Amen. Amen. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the, at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. He said unto his lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place uh, of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. 
But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad and said unto him, Go, carry them uh, to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose uh, uh, out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one with another until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose, or excuse me, and he arose and, and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. Look in verse 1. It says, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone? And no man with thee. Father, I pray that you'd bless the, uh, the message tonight. Lord, help us again, God, as we've already said, to rightly divide your word of truth. And uh, may we uh, be encouraged, Lord, tonight. May we be challenged in our, our spiritual walk as we <clears throat> come to this next portion of our, of our lesson about the life of King David. So bless us, Lord. We pray that you bless the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you look back in verse 34, um, we remember that Jonathan opposed Saul and stood for David. Now, Jonathan said in verse 32, he said, if you look there, it says, Wherefore shall he, uh, he being David, be slain? And, and he says, What hath he done? And if you remember, Jonathan would not allow the difficult circumstances to change his message. Just because it got a little bit difficult, it didn't change the fact that Jonathan was still going to stand with David and that he was still going to take up for him. And, and I thought, folks, listen, and when it gets, and, and it may get more difficult to share the gospel with people. You know, back in 1929, during the Soviet, uh, when the Soviets uh, uh, were really coming to power in, in Russia, they they tried to squelch the church, and they didn't want to. They didn't want anything to Christianity to grow any further. So what they did, they didn't outlaw the churches. They just simply outlawed the ability for people to go from door to door and knock on people's doors and tell them about Christ. They said you, it's against the law to do that. And when they did that, the churches died. And you understand that what. What the Soviet Union did then, back in 1929, you realize it's happening today by just willingly through churches simply because they fail to go and do what God has called us to do. I had an independent fundamental Baptist preacher tell me about 10 years ago in this area that told me that they don't go so winning anymore, that he said that I don't go because my time can be better spent doing other things. This just don't work anymore. Listen, folks, I'm here to let you know that if it's God's plan, it'll work. And, and so we understand that when things get difficult, we ought not allow it to change our message through compromise. But then I thought we ought not allow difficult circumstances to change our behavior either. Uh, Jonathan did not do that. And, and we also saw that Jonathan, who was the heir to the throne, you remember this, did not kill David like Saul wanted him to do. Uh, Saul tried to get him to do that, but David declined, and, or excuse me, Jonathan declined to do it. 
And, 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 and when I was thinking about that, I thought there doesn't seem to be much sacrifice in uh, Christian circles today because we see Jonathan, he sacrificed his honor of the throne so that David might be the one honored. And, and you know, we need to understand what we do today. It's not about me and you. It's about God receiving the glory and the honor for everything that we do. When we go out and knock on somebody's door, you know who gave us the ability to do that? God gave us the ability to do that. He gave us the opportunity to do that. He gave us the opportunity and the ability to be right here in this place tonight. Amen. Amen. So it's God that ought to get the honor and the glory. But many times today, people are more interested in their own personal honor and and them getting the credit for it. Amen. But when we do things, listen, we ought to be more than willing to give the, the honor and the glory to Almighty God. But a, a, a lot of people today, when they, when they look at Christian service, they see it as a means to exalt themselves. They see it uh, as a, you know, a, a, a way to, uh, you know, for them to be in the spotlight, for them to receive the blessing. But I'm just thankful that, I'm, uh, able, that God wants to use me. He put, listen, he put each of us and gave us the opportunity for each of us to be involved in the greatest uh, organism, I don't want to call it organ, greatest organism this side of heaven, the church. Amen. Uh, but sometimes if we're not careful, we, uh, we allow difficult circumstances to change our message, to change our behavior. Uh, but Jonathan didn't do that. He, he stood for David and and listen, and you know as well as I do, some more than others, that if you stand for the Lord, you're oftentimes you're going to experience some suffering. Yeah. Sometimes, in fact, the suffering is going to include some verbal abuse. You ever been? You ever got a good cussing because you're trying to tell somebody about Jesus? Boy, I have. You ever had anybody spit on you because you're trying to tell them about Jesus? Boy, I have. Listen, I'm telling you, you, you run into all kinds of things. I, I, and I told you this about the older gentleman, hair just as white as snow out visiting the bus route in Kermit one day. I, I brother Fowler was probably at that time about 75, knocked on somebody's door. And the daddy came to the door, and when Brother Fowler told them who he was, he chased him out of his yard with a hammer. Isn't that something? Listen, sometimes you're going to, you know, you're going to suffer some abuse. And sometimes the abuse is going to come from those that you thought might be on your side. Why? Because of difficult circumstances. But then if you begin, look in verse 34. uh, When you see that Jonathan stands for David, the Bible says that Jonathan was grieved for David. I mean, it broke his heart. What? How sad. But then we keep going. Notice the fate for David. Saul's behavior. And, and, and I want you to look in verse 35. Saul's behavior at the feast of the new moon, it really, you remember Jonathan wasn't quite sure that Saul, that David, what he was saying about Saul was true. But this feast of the new moon informed Jonathan very plainly that Saul was exactly what David said he was. And now Jonathan has to tell David. Look in verse 35. It says, And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad with him. Now, I want you to notice that Jonathan's dependable. Okay? 
the words you read it there, and it came to pass, in spite of all the turmoil, in spite of everything that's gone on, and in spite of everything that's happened, all the difficult circumstances, Jonathan kept his appointment. He was dependable. Saul, the king, was not. Listen, God help us today to be dependable. Listen, showing up, and I thought about this again today, showing up when you're supposed to at the appointed time showed that Jonathan could be trusted. Amen. People who don't show up when they're supposed to show up, it kind of causes you to question their dependability. Yeah. If they're not dependable in keeping, and I'm just going to read this because I want to get it right. If they're not dependable in keeping their appointments, more than likely they're not going to be dependable in keeping their word. Yep. But Jonathan, he's dependable. The Bible says, and it came to pass. You know, there's a lot of other things that's going to come to pass one of these days. You know, when God says something, guess what? It'll come to pass. You know, when the Lord says, uh, when he looked at his men and said, listen, uh, or the angel of God told the men, this same Jesus, have you seen go? He will come in like manner as you've seen him go. Jesus said, I will come again. And the good thing about that is it it will come to pass. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to come to pass. Jonathan is dependable. But notice what Jonathan says. He makes a little declaration. And it's in shooting some of these arrows. Jonathan informed David of his fate. Even though David's fate was a bad one, Jonathan still faithfully informed David anyway. You know, bad news is never good to tell. Never. Uh, And and I'll use this just because it's fresh on my mind. Uh, When my mom was laying in the bed at that rehabilitation center and still, you know, her back was hurting and uh, Dad had just uh, left the, uh, two days earlier to go, uh, to, to go home, and, of course, he had died. And, and, and I had the, uh, the responsibility to tell my mom, who was laying there in the bed, that my dad had died. You know, sometimes you got to tell somebody some bad news. Even when it's not popular, even when it's difficult. But listen, sometimes you have to tell them. And you know, folks, I'm here to let you know that if there's some bad news today. People who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they will die in their sin and go to hell. And somebody's got to tell them. If your house was on fire, would you want somebody to come in and wake you up and tell you that your house is on fire? Absolutely. Get out. Listen, it's the same thing. There are an innumerable amount of people that are lost without Christ. And if we don't tell them about Christ, they will die and go to an eternal flame without Christ. Period. Somebody's got to tell them it's bad news. But there's good news on the other side. Yeah. Even though my mom and dad passed away, I'm not, I'm not worried for them. I'm tell, I'm, I miss them. But I'm not worried for them. Listen, they're in heaven. They're, they they're going to get a, a, you know, one of these days, the spirit's going to be re, reunited with the body. And, and listen, it's going to be a great family reunion for eternity. So I'm not sad for them. You know, I'm, I'm, listen, I've never said, uh, heard anybody say that they were sad about getting saved. Oh, man, that's the worst mistake I ever made, getting saved. I've never heard anybody say that. Listen, I'm thankful today that there's some good news on the other side. 
But here's Jonathan. He, even though David's fate was bad, Jonathan still informs David. It, it, it would have been cruel, though, for Jonathan not to tell him. Think about it. But how much more cruel is it for unfaithful preachers today not to tell people that they are headed in a direction that they ought not go? How cruel will it, would it be for you and me as a parent if we see our children going in a direction that they ought not go? How cruel would it be for you and me not to tell them, not to warn them, not to, uh, not to tell them, say, listen, I love you, but I'm telling you that you're headed in the wrong way. Listen, I'm not going to pat my kids on the back and watch them go off in a direction that would be detrimental to them, both spiritually and physically. I wouldn't do that. Same thing spiritually speaking. Listen, preachers who stand in this place, God helped them to just tell them the truth. Amen. Jonathan was dependable. Jonathan was also discreet. I, I think this is important. Look what the Bible says down there. When he's talking about this lad, he says, The lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. We've heard all through the media and people, or when they're interviewing people, well, we have a right to know. Not really. Listen, there's a lot of things I don't know that I want to know. You know? I, I mean, and, and, and we're talking about being discreet. Jonathan did not tell the lad. You know why? He didn't need to know. Uh, it, it would solve a lot of problems today, I think, in society and in churches if people would practice being discreet. Listen, some things just uh, don't need to be said. Oh, have you heard? Has so-and-so, did you know what, have you, I, listen, some people spend more time on the phone trying to get information when they ought not to be on the phone trying to get information. There's a reason why that you probably haven't heard. You don't need to know. Same thing here. Uh, David or Jonathan is discreet. They don't tell the lad because he does not need to know. But look in verse 41. We see some remorse. It says, and as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. Now watch, this was not a happy time for either David or Jonathan. These guys are good friends. But there, there was a loyalty here, a, a friendship between these two men. There was a friendship that was rooted. Listen, there was a friendship that was rooted here in their common faith in the Lord God himself. People want to make something wicked out of this. Amen. They, look where it says when they kissed one another. That's not, that's not what people look at and think about it today. You ever been over to Italy or somewhere in Europe? Uh, you know, they, they greet one another with a kiss. I mean, I, I, when I took uh, Mallory over there, they, you know, I would watch people all the time. And they'd, you know, they'd do this on the one side and then on the other side and greet one another with a kiss. I think that's exactly what's going on here. Why? Because they're good friends. They hug one. And, and you know, it's okay if a man wants to hug a man. Listen, I, I hug my I hug my daddy and kissed him all the time. You know why? I loved him. 
And now he didn't know what to think about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, Dad was old school, you know. That kind of stuff didn't happen. But uh, there were a lot of times I kissed Dad on the cheek. Yep, out right here on this platform. When he came and preached that day, I still remember him coming up and kissed him on the cheek, told him I loved him, and I was glad he was here. What? Listen, you know why? I loved him. He was my dad. Well, you know what? We have good friends today, and uh, the, that, they, these men were good friends. And the Bible says they, they kissed one another it, it, because they cared and they loved one another. Now, watch what's happening here. Well, I think you can really see the emotion. They know what's about to happen. They know that they're ha about to be separated in friends. L uh, have you ever had a really good friend that you, you, you knew you wasn't going to get to see them anymore? Yeah. I've got, I still think of my friend Alan Hatch that died with COVID just a few years ago. And I knew him for 30 years. We played golf together. We went places together. And we had a good time. And, and you know, and I, I stood right back there where Miss Megan is sitting and talked to him on the phone when he was in ICU. And he told me, he said, Delbert, they want to put me on a, a ventilator. But I'm telling you, he said, he said, I don't know what to do. And if I get on the ventilator, the, the odds of me coming off are, are low. He said, I may not ever come off again. Last time I ever talked to him. Listen, you know what? I miss him as a friend. These two men are friends. And they know that there's something, that there's going to be a separation here. And, and so they're, they're, they walk toward one another. And, and notice that David humbles himself before Jonathan, and he bows three times, which indicates his uh, subservience to, to the royal prince. Listen, David is still saying, Jonathan, I'm still recognizing you as, as the future king. But, he, but listen, but God had already anointed David king, and Jonathan has already given David his war apparel. But David still shows him respect and honor. But what's interesting about this is the fact that it's the most, this is the most three times that anyone ever bowed before another person in one encounter right here, David, toward Jonathan. And the Bible says they greeted one another with a kiss and they wept. Listen, they, they know that there's going to be a separation. But I, I think David probably weeps the most. And the reason I think that is because he's the one who's going to be a fugitive. You see, he's the one that's going to be forced to leave his family and his friends. And it's from this time forward that David would become a criminal. Remember, he is charged with a capital crime. And if they catch him, they will execute him. So he's forced to leave. And the thought of being completely cut off from everybody that he loved and from all of his earthly possessions, it's all coming in all at the one time, and it's just it, it's bearing down on David, and I believe he just weeps uncontrollably. Uh, do you ever have something to bother you that much? Yeah. Yeah, this, that's, that's David. Uh, Saul had become a wicked ruler, and he caused uh, a lot of sorrow on the people. And, and you know, and think about it, wicked rulers bring only burden and sorrow on the people. Sure goes along with what's happening today. Look in verse 42. It says, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. 
Now, now think about this. Uh, Jonathan uh, looks on the positive side and tells David that he'll always be his friend. But if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 16, you'll find Jonathan who encourages David again. And the Bible says that Jonathan came to David in the woods of Ziph. And look, and it says, and strengthened his or David's hand in God. Jonathan is again an encouragement to his friend David. But, but notice verse 42 again. It says, and he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Now the contrast here of, of where these two friends went shows us the, it's, it's about to get rough. All right? Now Jonathan, where does Jonathan go? Tell me where he goes back. To the city. He goes back to the comforts of his, of his house, the comforts of the palace, if you will, the comforts of, the, of his dwelling, the, the comforts that the city can bring. But David, on the other hand, where's he going to go? He's going to go and dwell in the open fields. He'll be dwelling in the caves. And, and, and in fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 23 and verse 13 that they would go, the Bible says, whithersoever they could go. Listen, they didn't have a place. Uh, Jonathan goes back to the comforts of the city, but, but David, on the other hand, he goes back. In fact, 1 Samuel, you can write these verses down. 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1, it tells us that he went to the cave of Adullam. 1 Samuel 23, he tells us that he went to the wilderness of Ziph. 1 Samuel 24 says he went to the wilderness of Engedi. And by the way, the wilderness of Engedi is just exactly that. It's a wilderness. We drove that, we went on a bus, we went up the hill, and, and you could see the mountain goats or the sheep that was up on the side of the hill. And, and we drove up, and our guide said, Brother Reichman said, Listen, right over there in that cave, down through this little valley, and over there, that is where they believed that David or that Saul was in that cave, and David went in there, if I'm getting my story right, and they said, that's the cave right there. And I thought, and all these people in our group are walking around, and I tell Brother Reichman, I said, I'm going to go over there. He said, you can't get over there and back. We're leaving in about 40 minutes. I said, I can make it. And if I thought I could have run over there, it was a good, good clip. You had to run down and back up this hill. But, man, I wanted to go over there. But I thought, no, better not. I don't want to get left behind, and I don't want to get in trouble. You know, I'll get grounded or something to the bus, and, and we didn't go. But it was a wilderness. I'm telling you, there was, there was just rocks and hills. Just, it looked like West Texas, you know, uh, the mesquite bushes. My wife used to say, where's all the trees around here? I said, they're everywhere. Look. You know, and but it was just, you might see one every once in a while, but uh, it reminded me of West Texas. But that, that's another place David went. He also, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 25 that he went to the, the, the wilderness of Paran, which is even more rugged than the wilderness of En Gedi. But, but this, think about this. Just because you're God's anointed does not guarantee you a place of ease. Does not. Uh, it doesn't guarantee you a big house on the hill and a fat bank account. Listen, people say, think that you, people are in the ministry for money. Uh, if you're in the ministry for the right reason, there's not money in it. I, I'm not doing without, and God's taking care of me, but that's not why I'm here. Amen. Yeah. Listen, people think that God's in, they've got a grease plank to heaven. It's a grease plank, all right, but it's not to heaven. 
I'm telling you, listen, the road to, think about it, the road to the royal palace for David was anything but smooth. It was an extremely rough road. In fact, the path of God's perfect will is seldom an easy path. People want to walk and just get an easy button and walk in the will of God. But listen, it's, it's a difficult path to take. It, 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 there may be some reprieve. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time and a place for everything. And there will be a time of ease, a time of comfort. But listen, it doesn't last. And we ought not. There's a season for that. But I want you to understand, but if you stay on the path of the will of God for your life, sometimes there's going to be some difficulty and it's going to be extreme. And, if we, we, and it's when we're in the good times. That's when we need to prepare for the not-so-good times. That's when we need to stay close to God. And that's when we need to spend some time in prayer. So that when the difficult times come, listen, that it doesn't just knock us out of the race for the things of God. And we can see that here with David. And, and by the way, the same thing is the road to heaven. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. Was it easy for him to get there? Absolutely not. The Bible said he endured the cross. He was bruised for our iniquities. Listen, I'm telling you, it, they tried to beat him to death. Satan tried to kill him so he couldn't get there. It's not, it's not an easy path. Uh, the road to heaven is not paved with rose petals and ease. But most often it's paved with rugged terrain, burdens, and sorrow. You say, man, that's not very encouraging. Well, I, I don't think about the burdens and the sorrow. I, I, I think, listen, it's, it, it's the way home. This ain't my home. You know, I, ain't's not a good word, but I like it. Amen. This world ain't my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from he to heaven's open door. Listen, so I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I'm thankful. I'm looking, I'm looking to the future. And, and to be honest, I think that our future is bright. You say, well, how close are we? Just watch Israel. Listen, everybody's after them. Um, and when the Bible says when there's wars and rumors of wars, and lift up your head, for your redemption draweth nigh. Uh, it, it's the way home. And we notice that the way to heaven is not always easy, but we can know for certain that it's worthwhile. And all God's people can say, Amen. Look in verse 1 of chapter 21. Let me give you this one and, we'll, and, and I'll be done. Uh, it says that then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And we're going to get into all this. But, but chapter 21, and you go and read it. Uh, it records some of David's worst behavior. Uh, and the question I asked is, well, why did he act so bad? Well, I found this. I, I, I like A.W. Pink. He's got some good books. And I, I read this, and this is what he said. He said, when a real saint is out of touch with God, when he is in a backslidden state, his conduct presents a strange enigma, and his, and his inconsistent ways are such as no psychologist can explain. Where fellowship with the Lord is broken, the mind is no longer illuminated from heaven, 
the judgment is clouded, and a lack of wisdom, yea, folly itself, will then characterize all our options. Listen, or all our actions. Well, I want you to understand, David's foolish behavior took place both in the land of Israel and outside the land of Israel, and it was all because he's out of the will of God. Amen. Listen, his conduct was bad before his friends, and, and it was also bad before the, the godly and the ungodly. In fact, his conduct was a poor testimony of his faith to the unbeliever. God help us as Christians today. Uh, listen, help us that in, in our conduct, whether in good times or bad times, whether we're struggling in, in bad circumstances, God help us that our conduct, will that, that other people will see Christ in us by the way we act. Amen. Uh, you know, that's why I say, listen, just, uh, if you're having a bad day, smile and make the devil wonder what you're up to. Uh, his conduct was a poor testimony. And when you look at David's behavior, it's difficult to see. And I thought about this, and I thought when you watch David and you read about this, his life and see how bad his behavior is, it's hard to see that this is the man who's going to be the greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel and the greatest king who will one day write some of the greatest psalms in Scripture. This is the guy we're reading about right here. But when you're reading right here, it sure don't look like him, but it is. Uh, when you read verse 21, <clears throat> you find that after David and Jonathan's farewell, that David heads to a place called Nob. Nob was a small town. It was, it's thought to have been just a little bit north of Jerusalem. It was a place where the tabernacle was located after it was taken out of Shiloh when Israel was defeated by the Philistines. Uh, back in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Uh, Nob is also, and I thought this was interesting, Nob is also where Saul lived and where David had just been when he went to visit Jonathan. Why, my thought, why would David go back to the very place where the guy's at that's trying to kill him? But that's where he went to visit Jonathan. And when he left Jonathan... Uh, it's at this place in time that David began his fugitive life. And, and, and Nob was the first recorded stop where, uh, where David went when he took off from Saul. And a lot of Christians today are on the run from God. A lot of them. They, they run out of desperation. Um, they try to fight the world and the flesh and the strength of the flesh. I was just telling somebody the other day, I said, listen, uh, they were asking me some questions. And I said, listen, if you're not going to walk in God's path for your life, you better make sure you're, you want to pay the cost. It'll cost you. Better make sure you're willing to pay. I said, because, listen, God does not rescind his call on your life. Listen, a lot of people run out of desperation. They run and they try to fight the things of this old world in, in the strength of this flesh, and it'll never work. All you got to do is, is come to Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Uh, a lot of Christians are like a fish out of water. They want to be out of the water. You know, and it's just they'll, they'll lay out there and die when all they got to do is somebody got to put them back in. A lot of Christians are out of the water. They're out of the will of God. They thrash around, they flop around, and when, listen, and when all you have to do 
is just step back into the will of God for your life. And you know, you say, well, it's hard. And, you know, well, I would rather suffer and, and have burdens in the will of God than do it out of the will of God. Listen, at least I know if I'm uh, suffering and having burdens in the will of God, um, God's in there with me. You remember the, uh, the three Hebrew children that was in the fire? Yeah, they wasn't in there by themselves. Yeah, God got in there with them. And they, in fact, didn't the Lord say, And lo, I will be with thee always, even unto the end of the world? Listen, he's still with us. He hadn't changed his mind a bit. You say, how do I know that? Well, because this is his, the mind of God right here in, in written form. And he told us and gave us his word that he will do that. Many people today, a lot of Christians, they live in the caves of this life when in Christ they could live in the peace and comfort that only Christ can give. Why would we want to live in the cave when we could live in the will of God? Matthew 6, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God help us. Father, I pray that you'd be with us as Christians, Lord. Be with your families.